We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai studio. Presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers. This is where Chicago goes to talk Bears. Sports Radio 670 The Score. Chicago's home for Bears fans. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The score! Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, and always live on on the free Odyssey app, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good Saturday morning, Chicago. Welcome inside the clubhouse right here on 670 The Score and your free Odyssey app, broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios. I am David Haw, along with Bruce Levine, and we interrupt this football crisis in town to talk about something that might actually surprise us, like the baseball playoffs and the offseason, which is off to a fantastic dramatic start good morning bruce how are you good morning david yeah it is a fantastic start to the playoffs and it just goes back to show you winning 111 games in one season means nothing other than getting into the playoffs it doesn't guarantee you a thing dodgers on the brink of elimination braves the defending world champions on the brink of elimination today uh fantastic beginning to the uh, playoffs as you said david and we have news to talk to you about and break here on the score as well every Saturday morning between 9 and 11, 52 weeks out of the year, and today will be no different. We have a big show ahead. You're right. We are going to go through each playoff series and just get your quick thoughts on them, and you can help us uh, get through that as well out in the audience, 312-644-6767. We're going to talk to Chip Carey, the announcer for one of those teams in the playoffs at 930. We're going to talk to the Cubs general manager, Carter Hawkins, at 10 o'clock. He's going to give us an update on what the Cubs' plans may be. This has been a busy week. We heard from Jed Hoyer, who talked about intelligent spending. We heard from Tom Ricketts, who sent a letter to fans and talked about substantially supplementing whatever off-season plans that Jed Hoyer may have. And, Bruce, we're going to talk uh, about the White Sox manager uh, update and any kind of speculation and rumors and reports and interviews. But let's start with what you teased. Let's start with what may affect both the teams in town. Number one, the White Sox and what they would do without Jose Abreu. And the Cubs, based on what they might do, 
if they land him in free agency because, according to you, Bruce Levine, that is a possibility, correct? It is a, a real possibility. They are going to be kicking the tires and looking at Jose Breu as a possible free agent in the offseason, according to sources. Uh, he is on their list, uh, at the top of their list of people that they're looking to possibly bring in. As we, as we talked about, Carter Hawkins will be our guest at 10 o'clock. He will not talk about that, I guarantee you. Uh, but uh, we will we will broach subjects of free agents with him. But again, uh, according to my sources, Jose Abreu at the top of the list for the Chicago Cubs. And uh, when you think about it, you think about the ending, David, to the White Sox season, which was wonky at best and awkward uh, for sure with Jose Abreu not playing the last game of the season at home. Uh sitting that one out, and why is that so relevant? Uh, Jose Abreu, being a free agent after nine years again, did not want to go through one of those final salutes, was not interested in it, and at that time, I believe, David, I believe he already knew he was not coming back to the Chicago White Sox. Uh, There has been talk for the last uh, couple years now that Vaughn has to play for his base, Abreu certainly still a very productive Major League Baseball player and one of the most consistent players in White Sox history with uh, nine years of a, a career that anybody would love to have. But uh, at this point in time, 36 in January, he appears to be moving on. And according to the people I talked to, that destination could be Clark and Addison in 2023. All right, let's talk about some of the implications there, and I'm sure people may want to weigh in. 312-644-6767. We will get to the playoffs. We will get to the manager search. But, Bruce, let's focus on this Abreu possibility right now because you're saying the Cubs will have interest. He might be high on their list of free agents to pursue. And I think the fact that he's not going back to the south side also relevant. So from the Sox perspective, does this indicate – the the direction they're going in terms of roster flexibility and with the Cubs does this underscore what we heard from Hoyer what we read from Ricketts in that they will have plans to compete in 2023 because if you're signing a 36 year old free agent you are not uh, and you're you're giving him a spot in your lineup you're giving him a spot in your order that may uh, also you'd be thinking Matt Mervis, your minor league player of the year, might be entitled to. You are going to now. You're not saying uh, anything about later. You are going to now. And I think the playoffs, and and listening to Jed last Monday in his exit speech to the media for almost an hour, (laughs) excuse me, David, you got the impression that he was – Still uh, really adamant about the re- rebuild and where it's going to go, but also pretty upset about the fact that he's watching playoff baseball and the Chicago Cubs aren't in it. That was pretty uh, clear from the very beginning of his conversation with the media last Monday. And with that in mind, and you're seeing the Phillies on the brink of going to the uh, National League Championship Series. You're seeing uh, San Diego on the brink of going to the National League Championship Series. You you are looking at you know the idea that uh, with now 12 teams getting in the playoffs, that uh, the odds of you even if you win 111 games like the Dodgers uh, 
of winning and, and going to the World Series are, are no better than anyone else's. You're, you're as good as the hot pitchers that you're facing uh, going into the playoffs. So that in, with that in mind, that's why a Ho- Jose Abreu would fit for the Chicago Cubs. Look at their organization. As you said, Mervis might be the first baseman of the future. There aren't really any first basemen on the Chicago Cubs. When we saw Frank the Tank tank this year, uh, we, we knew there, was, there were no first basemen for the Chicago Cubs. We're not talking about a five-year deal. We're not talking about a seven-year deal. We're talking about a one, two, or three-year deal, most likely, for Jose Abreu. And you, as you said, David, why Jose Abreu at age 36? Well, how many games do you think Jose Abreu has missed in the last four years? He's been durable, Bruce, very durable. I don't even want to hazard a guess because I know he has been around, and he has been, to me, an example of the way a team wants to play and because he will play through these little minor petty injuries or uh, he's not he, – he'll play hurt. He'll play through pain. He posts, and when you say that to a general manager or a president of baseball operations or an owner of a major league baseball team, that's a big interest to people these days, especially in the, hey, you know, maybe our superstar should only play 140 games a year era. Uh, that, to me, he has, he has missed 18 games in the last four years, David, an average of mm-hmm. four and a half a, game, a year. That is, I'll put that up with just about anybody in baseball as the games played. Look at his career, except for a few minor injuries. He has posted all nine years. One year, he only played 129 games. I think another 146 or so. But all the rest, all in the 150s, except for the uh, uh, pandemic-shortened season of 2020. He played all 60 that year, by the way. So... When I see a guy, even at 36, that posts and that uh, is still up there in the league leaders, fourth in hitting, even though nobody cares about batting average anymore in baseball, uh, to me, uh, that is a guy that I want on my team. Not only that, but just the example that he is as a player, as a person, uh, you, you couldn't ask for a better guy than Jose Abreu. I want to ask you this, Bruce, because I have all kinds of questions, and I'm sure people out in the listening audience might as well. Does this mean that he will obviously, is he leaning toward, not leaning toward, but do you think he would be more likely to sign with the Cubs because it is Chicago in a city where he is comfortable? Or do you think there will be a big market for a 36-year-old designated hitter, even though he is as durable as you just described? I think, you know, the situations in certain places, for, for, for instance, look at Miami. You know, a lot, a lot of the players like to live out of either Florida or California. Miami is had tremendous pitching the last two or three years and no offense, okay? They went out, they tried to get offense, they didn't. Jose Abreu would be perfect there, even in a, a team that is a quasi-rebuild, although, you know, albeit with their pitching, they could be a contender with enough offense. Uh, you, you know, you look at uh, teams like Milwaukee. You look at teams uh, all over the place that would go, Jose Abreu, geez, for one or two years, he's going to fit in great here. So I don't think the Chicago Cubs are the lone suitor or a guarantee to get Jose Abreu. All I can tell you is he is on their list. He will be looked at. And uh, I don't think there's any reason for Jose Abreu to say, no, I wouldn't want to play with the Chicago Cubs. 
Uh, he's been familiar with the city. He's been an iconic player for the White Sox here in Chicago. I think it would be very interesting for him as well. Breaking news on 670. The score presented by BetQL. Smarter bets start with BetQL. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. And the breaking news is Bruce Levine reporting the Cubs will have Jose Abreu on their list of potential free agent targets. And it will be a guy who will be very familiar in town and is, uh, according to Bruce uh, and his sources, not likely to return to the White Sox and understands that and realizes that. Bruce, I just want to clarify one last thing before we move on. Did that factor into the reason why he did not want to say goodbye in the finale? And do you think that he leaves the White Sox on good terms, bad terms, or how would you describe that? I, I, I can't tell you that. All I can tell you is people are going to be asking right now, why in the heck are the White Sox not offering a qualifying offer to, to Jose Abreu, okay? Well, the answer is they've already done it. It was three years ago, and you cannot offer a qualifying offer to the same player in your organization twice. So there's your answer when you go, geez, the very least they should get for Jose is a, uh, is a, a draft pick, you know, and a high draft pick. And, and that's, that's just not going to take place. I just think the, the quiet on both ends, to me, was numbing. Because last, uh, when, before he signed his last three-year contract in 2020, uh, Abreu said, I will be a Chicago White Sox forever. I will stay with the Chicago White Sox. I mean, he was brazen about the fact that he wasn't going to leave. Uh, he and Jerry Reinsdorf have a special relationship. Jerry got involved with the front office, surprise, surprise, and uh, tacked on an extra year. <laughs> I think the front, I believe the White Sox front office only wanted to offer a two-year deal with an option for Jose. He ended up getting a three-year deal, which at market price, averaging about uh, $16.5, $17 million a year, was a huge bargain for, for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, Jose has played under market value probably for the last seven or eight years after signing a, a $68 million six-year deal with the White Sox to begin his career. So from all of that, uh, everybody would say, he's got to go back to the White Sox. No, he really doesn't. Because if you want to get the very best out of Vaughn, uh, you don't want him out there uh, attempting to play outfield, attempting to you know run and hurt himself when you know that his future is possibly one of the best offensive players in uh, the American League. Bruce, that's a great segue into what is next for the White Sox. That roster flexibility will give the next manager many options. Who's going to be the next manager? Let's bring some people up to date over the week that was. Joe Espada, according to reports, interviewed by the White Sox. Pedro Grafal, also on the list, the Royals bench coach. Guys without experience are getting long looks. Ron Washington does have experience. He's been mentioned. He's the Braves' third base coach. We'll talk to Chip Carey at 930 about him. You haven't heard them necessarily talking to or reports linking them to Bruce Bochy. Uh, we don't think that Joe Girardi's name has come up, Bruce. Joe Madden says he will talk to the White Sox if they're interested. So far, there's no sign that they are. Where are the White Sox in the managerial search, according to your sources? You left out Ozzie Guillen. Well, I don't want to leave out Ozzie Guillen, and Bruce, I'm not doing that intentionally because you know where I stand on that. To me, Ozzie Guillen makes the absolute most sense for any direction they go, but I don't know if that's the direction they will head. 
We don't know that. Uh, I've spent uh, some time this week uh, texting up and back with Ozzy. Uh, Ozzy is, um, he wouldn't be shy. Let's put it this way. If if asked, he will answer. And uh, if, if, if offered uh, and the deal is right, he will take it, obviously. Um, as one uh, manager said to me when I, uh, I talked to him this week, I said, uh, uh, would you be surprised if Ozzy got the job? He said, he, he's wanted that job for the last uh, six years. He's been auditioning uh, for the job for the last six years. Uh, and, you know, I, I think he's a perfect fit for the Chicago White Sox. I mean, we've said it before. Uh, is he a perfect fit everywhere? Maybe, maybe not. Ozzy's a, a tremendously sharp baseball guy. He's a tremendously honest baseball person and person. Um, because of his prior experience and his honesty, he scares people. He really scares people uh, because they don't know what they're getting with Ozzie Gein. All I know, David, and I know you feel the same way, what you're getting with Ozzie Gein is a guy that's a proven winner, a guy that can't handle all kinds of players, and a guy that could help you win. That's what I see. Now, am I prejudiced because Ozzie Gein's a friend of mine? No, I'm not. I look at things realistically. Uh, I think that he's a perfect fit for the White Sox, but up until I went on the air, David, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, uh, Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams, none of them have contacted me about uh, what my opinion is as to who should <laughs> be the next manager. That's their of the mistake, Chicago Bruce. I'd only add this to the Ozzie conversation. I, I do think that it, it bears mentioning that the people concerned about the personal past and maybe the the relationships that have been affected by him, the way he left town, the way I have uh, understood it, the way it's been told to me is that those fences have been mended and that that is not going to be an issue if it were. Now, maybe that's easy to say and harder to do, but whatever the case, I think there's an understanding that they could coexist or get along. That said, I also think from a baseball perspective, you would be getting a manager that would use his head and lead with his heart. You would get a guy invested emotionally and also strategically in a way that would make an impact. And I think Ozzie Guillen may not be a viable candidate because of whatever the reasons the White Sox want to uh, cite or identify, but I think that's a mistake. I don't think it's realistic necessarily. I hope that we are both wrong, and I hope they go in that direction. But until they do, Bruce, who do you think they will uh, turn to next, and what do you think that they are? Um, what do you think they are valuing in this process? Is it experience? Is it a link to a winner? What do you think that element that they're seeking is? It's hard to say, uh, David, because if you see their prior uh, hirings, they've all been based on some direct knowledge of the individual or someone very close to them with direct knowledge of the individual. Um, you know, the, the last one that wasn't part of the White Sox family that was hired was a Jerry Manuel, and that was on a recommendation from Jim Leland, who had coached from him, for him. Uh, and Leland, of course, one of uh, Jerry Reinsdorf's very close friends and uh, friends of the front office at that time uh, with uh, Ron Schuler who was the uh, general manager at that point. So from all of that, uh, bringing in someone from the outside without much experience as far as 
White Sox history, that's a little different. It, it's, it really is. Uh, all, the, all the more reason why, you know, um, as one guy told me this week, a former manager, it's going to take whoever comes in a year to be able to get, in, get to know the players if it's somebody from the outside, okay? He's going to be in the Tony La Russa role of uh, 2021. You know, I have to fit in with this great group of young people. Well, I don't think that's what the White Sox need, do you? No, I, I don't either. I, I think that it, it's going to uh, it's it's going to be one of those things that you, you don't want to be surprised in the process. You don't want them to introduce somebody that looks like an experiment and raises an eyebrow. You want somebody that is basically uh, brings instant credibility the minute that they're introduced or their name is linked uh, to the team. Bruce, before we break, we would be remiss. This is a baseball show in Chicago. Uh, there's a lot going on in terms of speculation about Jose Abreu and the Sox manager search. But the Cubs, the Cubs family and organization, lost uh, a great one on Friday. Bruce Suter at the age of 69. Arguably one of the greatest, not arguably, he is one of the greatest relievers in uh, Cubs history. He, he was a terrific relief pitcher um, in baseball. Hall of Famer Bruce Suter at, at the age of 69 passes away. Was he the best Cubs reliever ever, Bruce? We had a couple of text exchanges. And did you have any background or history with Bruce Suter? I did. And uh, he was a, a matter-of-fact guy. Just, uh, you know, you ask a question, you get a direct answer. It probably wasn't always that lengthy, but uh, he never shied away from it as far as dealing with the media. As far as a player goes, here's a guy, David, uh, you know, back in the uh, middle 1970s that was a failed starting pitcher. He had uh, he was a fastball pitcher, couldn't get out of fourth innings, getting ready to release. A very famous coach in the Cub organization by the name of Fred Martin was a pitching coach at that time. And he said, you know what, let me look at your hands here. You, got, you have really long fingers. Um, let's try to give you a, a forkball. At the time, the split finger pitch was called a forkball. So he gave him this forkball, and all of a sudden, uh, this pitcher who couldn't get anybody out was using his fastball just as a misdirection and throwing it out of the zone and using this forkball that no one had ever seen before that turned into the modern-day split-fingered pitch that we know awesome. right now. Awesome. And uh, I believe, David, that there, if there was one most unhittable pitch uh, for the first uh, five, six years of Bruce Suter's career, that was yep. the most unhittable pitch in baseball history because it would – Literally drop, how many inches would you say? Five Off or six the table, inches? four inches, yeah. boom, there right. it goes. And, and, and until, Bruce, his, until he got hurt, until yeah. he injured himself, uh, and, and he went out to get 300 saves, That he was the most dominant relief pitcher that I, I've ever seen with the most unhittable pitch. Well said, and I would agree wholeheartedly, and I still know uh, a man who was once a boy and who fought back tears on the day that the Cubs traded Bruce Suter to the Cardinals in 1980 for Leon Durham, Ken Reitz in that deal, I believe. And I still am kind of mad at the Cubs for doing that and ruining my summer that summer. Boy, that was a long time ago, but that was a trade that still doesn't make any sense. Boy. Even though Leon Durham, we don't need to revisit that. It was about Suter, money. Are you surprised about that? I know. David? You tried to tell that to a young kid. It's about money, David. Come on, stop crying. You sound like my dad, Bruce. Okay. 
All right. We wish um, the Suter family our condolences and rest in peace. One of the best relievers in Cubs history. Bruce Suter passes away at the age of 69. Okay, Bruce, we're going to shift gears. We're going to talk playoffs. We're going to talk possible White Sox managers. We're going to talk to Chip Carey when we come back on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. And always live on the free Odyssey app presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. And there's a drive deep toward left field near that corner, near that wall, and gone. <laughs> he does it again. That is Arcia's seventh home run in 13 career games at Nationals Park, and that breaks a 2-2 tie. Swing and a drive by Ronald. A line drive, and we go back to back. That was a screaming Mimi to left. Welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Thank you for joining us this morning. I'm David Hall with Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock, and that was the familiar voice of Valley Sports South's Chip Carey, the voice of the Braves. We know him well, friend of the show. Good morning, Chip. Uh, we go out to the guest hotline sponsored by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me on this morning. We're doing well, but the Braves are on the brink. Boy, that is a big surprise, I think. The Phillies uh, mean business. That was an emotional game. In game two, Chip, I just let's start there before we get into some of the other things. How would you describe the challenge ahead of, of the Atlanta Braves today? Yeah, it's something they haven't done in, in quite a while. Uh, the Braves last year when they went to the World Series did not face an elimination game. So uh, they've done this before. This group has done this before. I think they faced an elimination game with the Dodgers here and uh, forced a game four. Uh, the good news for Atlanta is they didn't play well. They really haven't played a complete game yet in this series. And they haven't been eliminated. And they've got Charlie Morton going today. Charlie is, I think, 5-0 and with a sub-1 ERA in his postseason career in elimination games. So we're hanging our hat on that. And obviously, if the Braves can scratch across a few runs early, get to that rested bullpen, that's the game plan. And then force a game five uh, here in Atlanta tomorrow with ostensibly Max Fried ready to go. So uh, the guys are up at the challenge. They know what's ahead of them. And you're right, Philadelphia, they've waited 11 years to have a playoff game. They showed you that they were ready. They were rocking and rolling after the second inning, and the Braves just couldn't stop that freight train. And hopefully Atlanta can score first, take the crowd out of the game, and play their game and get this series evened up. Chimp, it's always a pleasure uh, talking to you, my friend, and having you on our show. Um, I guess – I'll start this uh, part of my conversation with you by saying it looks like Major League Baseball has hit a home run with the playoffs so far because from an excitement standpoint and replacing the one-game wild card with what we have right now, we've been seeing a little bit longer series, quicker elimination games coming up, and uh, a lot of excitement and fingers pointed toward baseball that I don't know if we saw over the last few years. What are your thoughts about it? I agree 100%. You know, look, the Florida Marlins, now the Miami Marlins, have two world championships because they made it as wildcard teams. And I think we're seeing, uh, at least in this first iteration of this new playoff series, uh, how important it is to keep playing down the stretch until that last game and maybe not having four or five days off. Think about the teams that are having a little trouble. Yankees are having trouble. The Dodgers are down to the Padres, uh, who made it as a wild card. 
you know, we're down to the Phillies who made it as a wild card. Right. The, the Yankees who are so heavily favored. I've split the first two games in New York and could go to Cleveland, drop two games, and they could be knocked out. But uh, to your larger point, I agree with you 100%. Uh, the the one-game playoff was, is, uh, you know, was really, really rough. Uh, you know, you think of the, how differently the fate of the Pittsburgh Pirates franchise might be if they had a three-game series and won one of those series when they were so good with Clint Hurdle. That obviously didn't happen. But, I, look, I love the excitement of it. I love the passion of it. I love the fact that you've got a three-game series. That's what we're used to doing in the industry. And, look, for the Braves, going back to us, it's really simple. you got to win two games. And uh, for Atlanta uh, and, and for the Yankees and all the teams that are behind, they just need a one-game winning streak to get back into it and force a game five. Chip, you know Chicago. You know that you look at the playoffs and that everything's provincial. And so we look at the Braves and we see Ron Washington, the possible manager of the Chicago mm-hmm. White Sox. Reports linking the Sox with Ron Washington. I'm not sure if they have talked to him yet. We do know he's on their list. He's 70 years old. He's got a successful resume as a manager with the Rangers. Hasn't done it since then. It, what would the White Sox be getting? I think we understand his his history. We understand his emphasis would be on, on defense, and he would do a lot of things that he did with the Rangers. What do you think about these reports and what the White Sox might be in for? I'd hate to lose Ron Washington. That guy has been as instrumental in the Braves' success as any player, any coach, any executive. Uh, I cannot recommend Ron Washington more highly both as a baseball person and as a baseball coach. Uh, he's a winner. He's a leader. He leads by example. And I'll tell you a quick story that tells, that, that'll, that'll give you all you need to know about Ron Washington. Anybody who follows the Braves knows he's out there in the field doing his defensive drills with the Braves infield before every game. I mean, hot heat, humidity, doesn't matter. He's out there. It's part of his routine. He does it every single day. A couple of years ago, in 2019, the Braves are in Philadelphia. Big series with the Phillies. Uh, it's hot. It's August. Um, he finishes his drills and a kid from the visiting clubhouse comes out to Ron Washington and says, Hey, Wash, I'm trying out for my high school baseball team. Have you got any tips for me? He said to the kid, you got a glove? He said, yeah, it's in my locker. He said, go get it. And for another hour, Ron Washington did those same drills with a high school kid who happened to be working in a visiting clubhouse before a major league game uh, between the Braves and Philadelphia Phillies. He could have blown the kid off. But he cares enough about the game. He cares enough about handing the game down to the next generation of people that he took the time to show this kid some things that might have helped him change the trajectory of his life. Look, Ron Washington's a baseball lifer. He's one of the most interesting baseball people I've ever talked to. You ask him an honest question, he'll give you an honest answer. And if you don't want the answer, don't ask. Um, he's, uh, you know, he, he's won. He's took the Rangers to the World Series twice. Uh, I think he's a guy that, like Walt Weiss on our staff, deserves a second chance, and I hope he gets it. Unfortunately, that would come at our expense, but the game would be much better in a much better place in a lot of places if more guys like Rob Washington were managing uh, in our sport, and I hope he gets another shot at it. Chip Carey, our guest on Inside the Clubhouse for a few more minutes. David Haw, Bruce Levine, every Saturday, 52 weeks out of the year, talking baseball on the score. Chip, uh, how about uh, staying on the, on the managerial uh, plateau here as far as we're talking about with the White Sox. The Braves have had tremendous success staying in the organization. And, uh, you know, Brian Snitker is a prime example of what's going on. Carlos Marmol, um, not Carlos Marmol, uh, but uh, the, the Cardinals manager. Oliver uh, Marmol. Oliver Marmol. Yeah. Ollie. Marmol, Ollie, yeah. Ollie, yeah. Uh, a, a product of that organization uh, seamlessly. So is. Uh, so is Joe uh, before that. Seamlessly uh, keeps on winning. 
how, how essential do you think it is uh, for teams like the White Sox to pay attention to that when hiring, knowing it takes a year or two for a manager to actually fit in with a group, especially with uh, a lot of the millennials that we see in baseball uh, needing to be related to maybe just a little bit more during this era? Yeah, look, I can't speak specifically to the White Sox uh, situation because I don't follow them, I don't work with them, and I'm not around them at all. I, I think what's important is continuity. Um, if you look at the Braves, uh, they've had three general managers, excuse me, four general managers since 1991. <laughs> you know, so you've had a great deal of continuity. John Scherholz to Frank Rand to John Capolello, now Alex Anthopoulos. Uh, you've had in the manager's chair Bobby Cox, Freddie Gonzalez, and then Brian Snitker. Look, Brian Snitker probably is the most unlikeliest guy in that he was an organizational man who never thought he was going to get a shot at the major leagues. When Freddie Gonzalez was fired, he was the logical guy. He was a triple-A. He came up. The players rallied around him. They played close to 500 baseball in what was a terrible season. Uh, The next year, they inched a little closer to 500. Then in 2018, they were a year or two ahead of the game, and they ended up winning their division for the first time in in, in the first of five uh, in the East. I just think continuity is important. And, you know, Buck Martinez, with whom I worked for so many years, had a great idea. Look, you hire your managers and you teach the game the same way from rookie ball all the way to the major leagues. And if you can do that, by the time guys get there, whether they're players or coaches or broadcasters or executives, there is an organizational um, blueprint that is a White Sox or a Cubs or a Cardinals or a Braves way to play baseball, which makes things a lot easier for everybody else. Now, obviously, matching the personnel and all that is a, is a, a much more difficult task. But if, at least if you have that blueprint, I, I think it becomes a lot easier. And that's why I think organizational guys like Marmol and the Cardinals and Snitker for the Braves, who are organizational guys, they know what's expected up here. And that part of the job is, is a lot easier for them uh, in what's a very difficult job overall, as we all know. In the name of that continuity, Chip, you have seen Alex Anthopoulos lock up the youngest Braves core players long-term you know, Michael Harris and Austin Riley, yeah. and these kinds of moves, which I think from the outside look like they make a lot of sense. The White Sox might, uh, fans might argue that you were doing something that, that, that hasn't necessarily worked for them. But, but I, I do wonder what you think about this. Where does that leave the Braves and Dansby Swanson? What is the future hold for him? I know they, there was a report in August. They had talked about contract extension. He means so much to what you just described in that continuity and that, that, that mm-hmm. uh, stability. Is he going to be a free agent, or do you think that is going to be something that they uh, avoid by coming to terms? Well, I hope so. Uh, look, Dansby's had the best year of his life this year in his contract year, his walk year. Uh, he's been spectacular. He's been one of the best shortstops in the game this year. Uh, you know, there is inherent risk, as you said, with all of those contracts handed out to these young players because there isn't a very big sample size for them. And in, in the case of a guy like Michael Harris, he really hasn't had a cold spell and how is he going to deal with that at this level, right? I mean, that, that, that's kind of the unknown. But obviously the talent's there, and Alex has paid a lot of money to make these kinds of decisions, and he made them. With regards to Dansby, look, uh, he's going to be part of a terrific free agent shortstop class. I, I doubt they're going to sign him today, and if the Braves lose, then he would become a free agent after the World Series. Um, I'm sure the Braves would like to have him. I would assume Dansby would like to be here, but ultimately it comes down to years and dollars, which is what – was the impasse with Freddie Freeman, who became an L.A. Dodger and re- requ- uh, resulted, I should say, in the Braves getting 
Matt Olson. So that's a long-winded answer of saying, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with Dansby. Uh, you know, he's, he's a very popular player here. He was here during the rebuild years. He's been a very consistent player. He's had a great year. Uh, he's become kind of a glue man in that locker room, a, 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 a modern version of Jeff Blauser, who Cubs fans might remember and Braves fans certainly do. Um, and, you know, it'd be hard to imagine him playing for another team, but that's the, you know, that's the reality of our sport, right? Change is inevitable in many, many ways, shapes and forms. And uh, if Dansby is uh, going to find greener pastures, they're out there for him. But uh, then that means the Braves have to go find somebody to replace him, not just on the field, but in that locker room. And I think that's going to be a, a real challenge for Alex Anthopoulos if it gets that far, but we'll see. Chip in closing with you, uh, David and I appreciate your time and friendship as always. So thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Always great to My talk fi- to you guys. My final question to you is when you look at 1998 back then when you were broadcasting for the Cubs and doing the Sosa and uh, the McGuire stuff, after the fantastic year by Judge this year, hitting 62, allegedly uh, clean the way that he did it, how do you look back at that time and your thoughts of, uh, you know, some historic broadcasts, historic calls, and then, you know, kind of the tainted way that that's, uh, transpired over the last uh, 25 years? Well, I, li- I look back and listen, and I kind of cringe because I was so young and so green and so excited. And I, I, you know, I think about how much differently I would broadcast those games now uh, right. you know, that I'm in my mid-50s. But, you know, Bruce, I, I, don't, look, I don't look at life that way. Um, you know, I, I really, in that, in that moment, enjoyed every second of it. It was so new and so exciting. And for me personally, it was such a a great entree into Chicago trying to you know, replace Harry and fit in with Steve and work with Arnie Harris and see this incredible chase. I didn't get caught up in what I thought I knew or what everybody else was speculating about. I just sort of lived with the joy of, of those moments. And uh, I'm sure the Yankee fans did the same with Aaron Judge this year. So you know, knowing what we know now, is it disappointing? Yeah. But in that moment, in that magical year of 98, when those two guys were doing what they were doing, uh, it was such a treat, such a luxury, and such an honor to have a front row seat to it. Uh, it was one of the most exciting and fun seasons I've, I've ever had, and maybe ever will have. And uh, in no way, shape, or form, for me personally, does it taint uh, uh, what took place and what I got to call. Chip, have a great postseason. We thank you so much for your time this morning. Okay, guys. Be well. We'll talk soon. Chip Carey, the voice of the Atlanta Braves from Valley Sports South, kind enough to join us this morning talking about Ron Washington and the Braves on the brink. They play game four today. Uh, they're down 2-1 in that series, 1 o'clock, with Charlie Morton on the mound pitching for their season uh, at stake. And we come back, Bruce. We want to get to your report that Jose Abreu will be on the Cubs' free agency list. He will be one of those players that they pursue and consider. Does that make a lot of sense? What do you think, Sox fans? What do you think, Cub fans? Could that be a possibility of what do you think of Jose Abreu playing first base or being your DH? 312-644-6767 inside the clubhouse right here in Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse. 2-2, paced it to left field. Glad he did. He absolutely crushed it and got it up and out. 4-2, some leeway for the Sox in the eighth. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, David Hall, Bruce Levine. Thank you, NBC Sports Chicago, for that Jose Abreu highlight. And why are we playing Jose Abreu highlights in October? Well, the Sox aren't playing, but as Bruce Levine reported at the beginning of this show, the Cubs will be considering 
Jose Abreu at the top of their free agency list. Let's get out to the phone lines because you have thoughts. The score listener line powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Paul, our friend Paul is in Valparaiso. Good morning, Paul. Welcome inside the clubhouse. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, hey, uh, yeah, Bruce, I, I think it would be a good thing for the Cubs at one year. I don't know you know, what his agent's going to want. If they want to go two or three years, I think that's way too many. And I guess what it, it would also depend on, you know, what we're talking about per year. One year at 10 or $12 million, I think, would be fine. But, I, I mean, I think moving forward, you look at a guy like Paul Canerco, who was almost an MVP at 35 and then completely fell off the map. I mean, I'm not saying it's the same guy, obviously. But, I mean, get to that 35, 36, I mean, you know, he could go south in a hurry. He's obviously lost some of the power already. And he's a notorious slow starter. If this team is going to want to win next year, I think they got to jump off to a good start. And he usually doesn't start hitting until about late June. You know, some good points, David. Uh, I, and, and thanks for your call, Paul. Uh, I would say uh, all indications are just the professionalism that he brings, just the quality of at-bats that he takes – just the way that he shows up every day at first base is something that a lot of teams should really, you know, look at outside of the Cubs. I, I think I think there'll be more interest in Jose Breu than than anybody would thought. I, I agree with Paul the fact that the the uh, power seems to have gone out of the swing this year. But look around baseball and outside of Judge and outside of a handful Swerber. of players. Yeah. Home runs are down, okay? Uh, the humidor effect on baseball has worked. Uh, there will be ample room for hitters like Jose Abreu to continue to hit for a high average and hit more doubles. Uh, he hit 40 this year, but uh, because of the fact that there won't be shifting uh, next year. So, I think and, the White and he's Sox- a right center field hitter. He is in the White Sox. If they let him go, it will have more to do with the players they have stockpiled behind him in that DH mold uh, than it will Jose Abreu in projections for his future. I think he has some left in the tank, but I think the White Sox do need to consider roster change to get more flexibility. That said, you're right, Bruce. There will be a market that emerges, I think, for Jose Abreu. The question will be, whether the Cubs want to step up and pay it. Let's squeeze in. Jim is in Beecher. Jim, quickly here on the score. Welcome inside the clubhouse. Yeah, thank you, guys. Uh, Great show as always. Uh, Relative to Jose Abreu specifically, uh, in this case, uh, all I'm doing is looking at the the person making the decision here. Uh, Rick Hahn, uh, to me, baseball-wise, he's a bottom third GM in terms of baseball smarts. Having said that, uh, whichever way the Sox decide on whether it's Jose Abreu or any of the other movement uh, on the White Sox uh, baseball team, uh, the arrow is going to continue to point down because of the uh, the source of the decision making. And I'll leave it at that. Well, Thanks, I, uh, I will, call. David. I will uh, respectfully agree and disagree with his opinion on Rick Hahn because uh, Rick Hahn and uh, Kenny Williams, Jerry Reinsdorf, they have to wear it for things that didn't work out. But they're also the guys that went out and got uh, Johnny Cueto. They're also the guys that went out and got Elvis Andrews. So if you don't think the baseball acumen is there for them, I, I would I would tend to differ on that. Uh, I think everybody thought the Chicago White Sox were loaded going into this season. I also thought that everybody felt 
they were short left-handed hitting and maybe a starting pitcher uh all that probably uh worked out in the you know the the, the fact that injury was the main uh, culprit when it came to the Chicago White Sox in 2022. Bruce, agreeing and disagreeing. I'm glad that you're having your weekly waffles for breakfast. There, waffling <laughs> there on both sides. Very nice. All right, nicely we, done. No, no waffling about our next guest. He is a guy that means a lot to the Cub organization. He is the general manager. His name is Carter Hawkins, and he will join us here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. <laughs> 